This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's good to be with you today. As per usual, what do we do every week here on the show? It's all about bringing those people who are successful, doing really great things, bringing them into studio, putting them behind a mic and learning from them. Today is an ask ask an expert feature where we have our Alicia. What do we call you? Our, our resident career strategist here in studio. Welcome back. It's always great to be with you, Gareth. <laughs> thank you. That's fantastic. Resident career strategist. I like. Well, well, your brand is a career strategist, and so and you are. You're our career strategist because you've been on the show so, a, a number of times before, talking to us about careers and and how to expedite them, how to deal with a number of issues. Today we're going to be talking about mid-career crises uh, and uh, we were just talking to Dr. Martini about mm. that. He, he really t- spoke to us and, and helped us to identify what it is mm. and, and how we know whether or not we're experiencing that. You were listening carefully to that conversation. A, a comment or two just on, on his observations? The first comment is why do we have to call it a crisis? Mm. Why is it a crisis? Because that has a negative connotation to it and mm. I work with people who as a result of this catalyst, reinvent themselves and do the most amazing things. So can't we change that negativity mm. and give it a mid-career catalyst? I think it's, it's a normal process for us at time, you know, w- when we hit our 40s and when we start to want more, need more from our work, to all feel a sense of disengagement. Very few of us started off with a straight line, mm. strategically knowing exactly where we wanted to go. How could we have known when we were in our 20s and we studied where we wanted to end up <clears throat> in our 40s, excuse me. So I think it's a natural kind of awakening or wokeness that happens mm. when you're working and you're doing good work. You want to do more. You want to be more significant. You want to do, you want to have an impact on the universe in mm. some way or another. Why is that a crisis? It's not a crisis. Throw that out. I'm going to challenge Dr. Martini on that and say, let's call it a catalyst. There, there is stigma attached to it that just really shouldn't be there, isn't there? And totally. What, what I loved about what Dr. Martini was sharing mm. is the fact that there is an, a, an evolution of values that everyone yeah. experiences and so mm. it absolutely should not be seen as a negative because you're allowed to grow. You're, yeah. you're allowed to develop and you're also allowed to become disgruntled and bored and tired and frustrated and all of those things. And you could be in a good place in your career. You could be a leader, you could be an owner, you could be heading a department with people following you, you can be a representative of your organization doing amazing things and suddenly it just doesn't feel right. Mm. It just doesn't feel right for you. You might have studied hard and there's, you know, there's so many pressures and social idealisms around changing and moving. Five or so years ago, it was like, what, you're going to leave a well-paid job to go and be an entrepreneur? Are mm. you crazy? Don't do that. Be lucky that you got a job. So I think just for, for anyone that's listening, it's okay to be able to say, this is not working for me. I've worked hard to get where I am. I'm going to be disappointing a whole lot of people if I make this transition, but I'm going to do it because it's going to mean that I'm going to be doing something better, more significant, and I'm going to be working for purpose because we ultimately want to have a workforce of people, whether they're working for themselves or working for someone else who are working for purpose. I saw something that this morning, in fact, as I was doing my morning brows, which said almost exactly the same thing, which is if, if purpose is driving 
driving you. Mm. Nothing can really deter you. Now it sounds all motivational, wonderful, but but the the truth of the of it is, and you will have seen this in in the work that you're doing, yeah. is that purpose driven individuals just seem to be able to get over hills and hurdles and mountains mm. that other people can't. Absolutely. You know, I talk about sort of standing in the sun of your career. Mm. I like that analogy because it just people can viscerally, you know, it's a it's mm. a visceral sense of understanding standing in the warmth of your career. And sometimes you're not always in that sun. And sometimes you haven't found the sun, you're in the shade. But you know that there's a place that you can go to where your work is meaningful, purposeful, and you know that it doesn't feel like work mm. because it's just energizing you and it's driving you. What does that look like? How do you get there? And that comes from this friction crisis catalyst. Let's call it a catalyst. How do you then transition across and how do you move there? And if we were all able to know that we can be in the sun, that we deserve to be in the sun, give ourselves permission to find work that is more enticing, that is more passionate, that really connects with who we are, aren't we then contributing positively to the economy, to the growth, to the development of the human nation? Mm. You know, do we want to just check in and check out and have you, we've all worked with those people who work a nine to five day job and they have a huge life outside of it. Mm. You say to them on Monday morning, how's your weekend? And you get a 45 minute story of what they did on the weekend. And it is so amazing. And then you see that they go into their small cubicle and that's what they do. They're just drawing a paycheck. They're just clocking in and clocking out and they're missing huge opportunities around that function because they're not passionate they're not engaged mm. that's not their work for purpose it's someone else's work for purpose I'm hearing here and I'm pretty certain that our mm. listeners are saying well that's me that's me yeah. that's me mm. so uh, and that could be an indication uh, the the catalyzing effect as mm. we're describing here that you are potentially headed towards some kind of mid-career crisis let's get very practical mm. so that that's what we're talking to you to today about uh, sure. the practicalities around the mid-career crisis not just how to identify it but how do we actually deal with it you've dealt with a number of people through throughout your career mm. your own career and also with the work that you're doing how do people deal with this thing I think the first is acknowledging it, recognizing it for what it is, and accepting it, okay. not fighting it. So don't fight the resistance of having to drag yourself into work. What's going on? Why is my energy low? Why am I not connected? Yes, work is not always going to have you skipping and flick-flacking down the corridor. I get that. But realistically, you've got to see it for what it is. And if you're starting to head towards a crisis, call it, own it, look at it, take a step out and acknowledge it. Give yourself permission to explore it. But realistically, you've got to get strategic. You've I'd like to say get help, mm. but you can do it on your own by just thinking strategically. And the first step is getting a sense of clarity around who you are. Mm. The way in which that we have worked, the way in which we have been guided to work, is very much around a what language. What do you do? What, do what, you do? Yeah. what is your job title? What is your job function? What is your qualification? What, what, what? Now more than ever, we need to be defined by who we are and how we do things. It sounds very soft though, So, but but, but it's not soft. It's this, not this, soft. this can be it's quite a, precise and, and strategic. And it's a new career narrative. It's who am I and how do I do things? So the clarity needs to be understanding exercises that I work with clients is sort of knowing your skills versus your talents. Skills are required. Skills are your what? Skills, skills are qualifications. Talents are what you're going to do whether there's money on the table or not. I remember you describing this to us at another point in another conversation. Absolutely. So if people are interested about in going into even more detail on this particular point, go 
just back into our podcasts and you'll find some more detail here. So, but sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. No, but that's it. So you've got to get the clarity around who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Recognizing the fact that you're hitting a brick wall, call it a crisis, call it a catalyst. You then need to get a sense of clarity around who is your authentic self. Because I think there's a lot of, there's a fear-based motivation of I can't give up this job because it's affording my lifestyle, because I've got dependence, because I've got this. How do I transition across? How do I realistically suddenly start doing something else. I was talking to someone just last night. Uh, I had to run down to Durban just for for one meeting. Uh, I was talking to someone about this exact thing last mm. night. They want to transition, but they mm. don't know how because they're these dependencies. As exactly, because you kind of w- worked yourself up into a wall, sort of an ivory tower sitting on top of a structure that you can't kind of get out of again. Mm. First is acknowledging it. Second it is looking at yourself. Who are you? What's important to you? What are your skills? What are your talents? What's important? As Demartini talks about your values. Figure Mm. that out. Get a great sense and an understanding and a handle. Look, I think everybody should be doing this, whether they're hitting a catalyst crisis or not. Because the age of information, robotics, AI, the wave of disruption is going to hit every single industry. It's bringing it in. It's bringing it in. And we know that the rote stuff is going to be monitored and taken over by the machines. The human stuff, the who we are, the how we are, the intuition, the creativity, the imagination – all of that, if we don't have a handle on that, we simply aren't going to be able to reinvent ourselves in this age of disruption. So yes, it's about knowing enough about you. Then it's about getting a sense of reality. Okay. Uh, sorry, sorry. Let's just uh, mm. summarize it with that one word again, which was? Clarity. 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 Okay, so clarity. 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 Then we're moving into a, a healthy dose of uh, reality. reality. Okay. You know what your circumstances are. You know what you can afford. You know what your budget is. You know what your debt is. You know what your children are, when they're going to, you know, reality of your situation. Reality, reality. Even if you say, I'm in a crisis. I cannot do this for the next 15 years, but I have to do it for the next five. That's a whole lot better. Manage your time, manage your emotions, manage yourself through, get a clear plan in place so that for the next five years you're going to have to be in this space, place and draw the salary and start doing something now. Start thinking about what you're going to move towards. Sometimes it's strategies on top of strategies. I think we'd all love to be able to just say, oh, I want to go do this and reinvent ourselves and move. It's not realistic. And we're talking about the generation of the 40-somethings who realistically do have dependence and a number of things that that they are responsible for. So the reality is around what is it that you actually really see, feel, and want to move towards? This comes out of the clarity of knowing who you are. As you are talking, I'm, I'm considering the... Uh a number of different approaches that I've seen people have toward mm. their lives mm. uh, and some people that have sat across uh, the studio here yeah. and then others who I've just had the privilege to talk to and understand. Uh, one of one of them have impacted my life and so what the way that I will live is in five-year blocks. Yes. And it's about developing a specific set of confidences in yes. a five-year block and then moving on and, and just trying something, mm. something different. I'm What I'm trying to get at here is those, there's some people that don't like risk, mm. and this sounds quite risky to them. Mm. Uh, how do you? You've you've dealt with some people. Talk talk to us about an example of people that are are really are risk averse, but they also disgruntled and unhappy. So I maybe think just not, not disgruntled, I, but I just unhappy. Th- yeah, I think the the aversion to risk is minimized by the aversion to going to a place that you hate. 
or doing work that you are feeling dissatisfied for. So the aversion to risk very quickly becomes secondary to I know there's more, I know I can do more, and I need to find more. And we cannot switch off that desire and that ambition and that heartbeat of wanting to be somewhere else. Mm. And it's and a heartbeat. Eh? It is a, it's, a, it's a heartbeat. So, I mean, I, I've worked with somebody who was the most risk-averse person in its essence, he, he, he is Mr. Risk. He, he qualified as an engineer. He then decided he needed to pivot his career into um, banking and numbers. His father encouraged him to go the engineering route. It wasn't his passion, so he realized that he was able to then move into towards numbers. Banking is what he saw as the numbers game, mm-hmm. studied a CFA. He's getting close to retirement, and he simply does not want to spend the next six years of doing what he's doing in the banking world. So he identified and knew that his absolute passion was in the investment management arena and helping people invest wisely. He's transitioning away from being a traditional banker into somebody that, you know, the owner of an organization that advises people on investment and investment management. That's three career pivots in one lifetime from somebody who's traditionally quite risk averse. Mm. But for him, it was about how can he possibly sell himself down this gray road of mm. dissatisfaction and not take the chance and not take the risk. And you know, Gareth, the world we're living in now is changing. The world is changing. And I think we're getting a lot of messages about how you can choose to be who you want to be. You can move to a direction that you want to be. There is a limitless amount of possibility. Mm. We, we have a greater sense of belief now than the generations before us did. And certainly when our generation in our 20s hit the working world, we were told get a job, work hard, and just be grateful, retire when you're 60. Mm. That doesn't have. That is not the conversation the, anymore. It seems to be the age of the the side hustle, and so perhaps one way to introduce something gently into your career is this idea of a side hustle. But it's also it goes to your points, which is clarity, reality, reality. and then actuality. Okay, what is that? So actuality is about how does this look? Is there somebody doing? Is there evidence of somebody that's done this before me? Mm. Yes. There always is. There's famous evidence. Richard Branson, there's evidence. There's evidence of career pivots of people saying one day they simply couldn't do this. They had to go and do that, and they did it. You just Google career change, career transition. You get a whole bunch of people that aren't famous that have done it. There's evidence of it happening all the time. So I think it's human nature for us want to want to be able to see that somebody has done it before, and we can go and do it, whatever field, whatever industry you're looking at. And then it's, a, it's about creating a real clear sense around how does this look for me? Starting to meet with those people, talking to them, having coffee connections. I say that that little coffee mug, Mm. coffee that steams out of that is actually a, it's a magical cauldron of Mm. infinite possibilities. It's a, it's a ball of, you know, possibility that can develop and grow. The coffee connection with somebody, when you are clear about what, who you are, when you have a real sense and a tangible plan in place and you've got strategic about what you want to move towards the actuality is almost like the third piece of the puzzle that just plugs in because you're talking to somebody who's in a field an area a division an industry a niche where you want to head and they've done what you've done or similar to what you've done they've pivoted and they've moved out that level of self, your level of self-belief goes through the roof. Mm. The possibilities of the connections and who they can introduce you to and what can happen is is immense and it's limitless. And I think that those three areas, I mean, it's quite sort of top line, clarity, reality and actuality is essentially part and parcel of my work. But 
I'd, I'd love to go to what you can actually do, like something that you could do today, mm. a step of something that you could do today. And okay. the first thing is going back to the clarity. Pay attention to what holds your attention. Mm -hmm. So many of us have worked for someone else or in our what that we are good at that, but it's our skill. It's hard to identify and figure out what is actually our talent. What is it that we love to do? What is this thing called passion that's oh so hard to figure out? And, and if I may, mm. uh, just going back to Dr. Martini, he mm. shared his story, which was how he did this himself. And mm. he identified the three key areas that he really loved to do. And it just, it just happened over time. Uh, and and, he, and it, oh, it revealed themselves mm. over time. And he then stuck to doing those things and he's been happy ever since. And so to, to your point, identify what actually t- switches you on. Absolutely. And how do you get there? Pay attention to what you what you pay attention to. Mm. What do you always read? What do you always hear? What do you always listen to? Here's a great question. Ask the people that know you. Ask your tribe. What would you what one thing would you pay me to give you advice on? What one thing would you pay me to do? Yeah, pay, pay. Pay. Yes. Pay. We all have amazing, amazing talents and a lot of them kind of sit in the peripheral of our life, but we do it for our friends, we do it for our family, we help them with this, we advise them on that. Going Le- back to Alicia, my client. How, how, what would you pay me to give you advice on? How to avoid risk. <laughs> Okay. How to copyright, brand okay. protect. <laughs> yes, we were talking about that off air. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. You were about to talk about your client. Going back so there to we client. go. So the, 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 there's, a, there's a point to what happens when you hit your, your catalyst. Yeah, yeah. But no, my client was like, what, he was an engineer and then he was a banker. And what, he, what was he doing? He was helping his friends and family invest. Mm. And, and they were taking his advice and they were loving it. And that's where it started. Sometimes it's not as obvious and clear as that. But I love that question. I love turning to the people that know you the closest, your colleagues, and say, what would you pay me to do outside of what I actually do? What one thing would you really want my my advice or value from? What would you pay me to give you advice for? Uh, I just I, so Dr. Dimartini was strong on this on this point, mm. and so another story that just comes to mind is he was talking to someone, and the reason I'm sharing this is because he said it may not always be that clear. Yeah. And so what he did with a young lady who he was he had met at a at a um, a session that he ran in Cape Town was she said, "Well, I like to watch TV." Yeah. And many people would, I mean, put their head up and say, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do with, with watching TV? That's and, not a career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he then asked, well, what do you, what do you watch? And she actually loves to watch crime, crime dramas mm. and investigative, uh, these, these, these shows where they solve, pro- solve mm. crimes and so on. And so then he said, well, why do you like to watch that? And then suddenly it, it dawned on her that she potentially has a future being some kind of investigator or Problem going into solver, law, enf- things like, yeah, yeah. law enforcement yeah. or, or something. And that gave her the clarity that she needed to, yeah. to at least move, yeah. take that first step. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to add something, and it's probably mm. somewhere in, in your formula there, mm. but you have to make hard decisions. Yes. And so everything that I've heard you say today leads me to, to one conclusion. Mm. And, and it's all about making a decision that you're happy with. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes a hard decision, but you've got to make a decision. You absolutely do. And it's got to be a decision that comes from your authentic self. Mm. And ultimately, the whole conversation about the new career narrative, clarity, reality, actuality, and so forth, it's about becoming the buyer 
of your career, not the seller of your skills. That is a huge shift. So just to take you back to, well, you can't realistically just suddenly leave your job because you've got commitments, but if you've got to do it for the next five years, if you suddenly switch a shift in your head and think, I'm not going to be here forever. I am getting a plan. I am doing something, whether it's a side hustle, whatever. I'm moving on something else, and this is not going to be the environment that I am in forever and a day. I will Mm. not retire here. It immediately changes your attitude about the environment that you go to. When you look at the the, the work that you're going into daily and you start saying, this is just temporary. This is not going to be forever. You suddenly see it through a different perspective. And it's about the control that we often give over to everyone else or Mm. we never really have. We were not told be the buyer of your career. Buying your career means what is right for me, what works for me, who am I and how do I want to move rather than I'm going to sell my skills to anybody who takes it. That is such a that is a strong decision. It's a definitive decision and it's what can shift people and turn things around in a very short space of time when it looks like I'm stuck. This is this is it. There's nowhere that I can go. I'm the breadwinner. I'm the this. I've got children. I've got dependents. There's nothing that I can do, and I've just got to stay in this job that's killing me, partly. But I don't like it. Swap the mentality. Change your thinking. I'm, I must just tell you, I'm happy with this conversation. I don't know if you've got any other gems to add before we end, but I'm I'm quite happy to end here. We said clarity, reality, and actuality. Actuality. It really leads you to make decisions. You're talking about paying attention. Mm-hmm. We're talking about making decisions. Just you, you got to go go and make a decision. Is there any anything else you'd like to add? I'd just like to say that whatever you feel is the barrier to your success right now the weakness that you see in that is actually your strength. And I mean, that's an odd concept to end on because Mm. it's opening up another conversation. But what I mean is that in the place of weakness, where you feel as if you're most hand-strung, you're most tired, you're most limited, you actually within that, if you look at it from a different perspective, Mm. look at it through the lens of I'm buying my career, you actually see that that is your strength. And I think that that's that's just a shift that existentially might just… Just open up another world. Totally. Open up another conversation. Yeah. We're going to have to have another conversation. <laughs> yeah, I get to come back. Alicia, <laughs> our career strategist, resident career strategist for future CEOs here on Cliff Central. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for talking about how to deal with a mid-career crisis, you know, the practicalities of it. You, your, your insights have been most valuable. Thank you. Total pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll be back same time, same place next week. We will see you then. If you want to know more about your customers and speak to them when it matters, you need Touchbase Pro. Here at Cliff Central, we experience this firsthand as we use them for our daily newsletter, which is the only place to get the popular weekly conundrum every Friday. Turn in different customers into customers who can't wait to engage with your brand by collecting meaningful insights and valuable information on what interests them so you can target individuals and create new strategies. Touchbrace Pro can also help with setting up effective email campaigns to maximize sales and mend the love lost between sales and marketing. And at the end of each month, you will have meaningful reports to show your team taking the guesswork out of email marketing stats. Get to emailwins.co.za now for a chance to receive a mini strategic assessment, plus an email campaign to 25,000 customers. With a TouchBase Pro account manager, you will send emails your customers can't ignore. Go to emailwins.co.za. If you change nothing, nothing changes. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.